Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Money Management and Marketing. Oh, wow. You did that on purpose. <laughs> I know, because money should always be first. I hate it, especially with this time of year and new goals. Can we make it a goal to... To change the name? <laughs> All right. So welcome to another episode of Marketing Management and Money. Uh, this is your host, Ethan We Miliori. saved the best for last. How's that? Does that give you comfort? Hey, all right. I'll buy off on that. That's actually all right. Okay. That's actually, actually, that's the best way you've said it and sold it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and with your other host, Ryan Murray, who <laughs> <laughs> thinks money is saved for last. So in this episode, this will be the third one as we've been talking about the financial health and we want to, we want to go more into, all right, so we've identified a problem now. How, um, how do we kind of deal with it. Yeah. You know, what are some things we want to do with that one? And so, um, with that in mind, I know you, as we've been chatting, uh, you had, you know, you've had some amazing thoughts on some of this stuff. And so amazing, amazing. <laughs> I have had some thoughts actually. There's, <laughs> there've been some things in uh, part one and two that have been burning and I'm just like, I gotta get them out. I gotta get them out. So am I good? So, yeah. Where do you want to start off on this one then? I want to pick up exactly where we left off. Um, you know, like when you watch a movie and, and the, the best example for those people who enjoyed watching the Jason Bourne series, like the, the, the original three, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm not yeah. a fan of four and five, but one, two and three. So I love where three picks up exactly where two left off. Right. You know, I thought I thought that was brilliant. So we're going to try that. It probably won't be as exciting as that movie was because we're just, you know, talking about <laughs> finance here. But I'm going to try and see if I can be that exciting. So uh, we just left off on the last episode talking about using the example of payroll and how payroll is paid for with cash. Okay. Payroll causes a lot of grief for a lot of companies. Yes. And... We've been talking about using your financials, and what I want to do here is I want to get uh, I want to get specific, and I want to start talking about okay, what exactly are we doing when we're looking at our financials, and we're saying okay, I'm going to start managing by the numbers. I'm going to start managing with the financials. So you know, someone's just reviewed their financials, and. Now what? Off, yeah. yeah. Now what? Okay. So I'm I'm going to start with with payroll, and then we're going to talk about things like margins. We're we're going to talk about what we talked about last time, but we're going to talk about what happens when it's off or when it's changing. Because sometimes we think it's off, but it's just actually changing. You know, your right. your your business is is evolving. So I'm a small business, and as a small business, even if you have you know, let's say. 20 employees, you know, which is a decent size small business. You know, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, employing 20 people, and I'm talking like full-time legit, uh, you know, payroll type employees, not interns and part-time kind of stuff, right? So if I got 20 people and all of a sudden I add another person on to my payroll, well, roughly speaking, that's about 5%. And so, you know, I take what is often one of the biggest expenses, if not the biggest expense for small businesses. Right. Um, and, and I take that and I'm going to add 5% to it. I mean, think what would happen if you were working with a vendor and all of a sudden your, you know, cost of goods went up by 5%. 
That's huge. All right. But this happens all the time in payroll is we fluctuate a lot, uh, especially, you know, and I I'm I'm being generous and I'm saying you got 20 employees. Well, what if you're a six man team, you're the owner. And so you're taking all of the high level responsibilities. And now all of a sudden you got to bring on another high level person, you know, right. That could be a huge expense for you. So where's that coming from? Well, that's got to come from your cash. All right. And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, how can you as an owner draw the correlation between payroll and cash? We're going to assume you've already done the financial analysis. You've already looked at the ratios. Now I want to talk about the concept behind it. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to look at that payroll and I'm going to say, what am I getting for my payroll? You know, what am I purchasing because as a business every expense is you going out and purchase and so think about in your personal life how much you scrutinize something if you're going to buy like a new car what do you do you get on you look at reviews you test drive it you set a budget okay you do all of these things before you even ever show up to the car dealership in fact that industry has changed so much this is what i find interesting is uh when you go buy a car today they already expect that you have done all of the homework. And so, you know, a, a car salesman today is dramatically different from 10, 20 right. years ago, right. you know, because they figure you've already done all the homework. Well, you should be doing the same thing when you're getting ready to hire an employee. You should already have done all the homework. That interview process is really the opportunity to just find out if they're going to mesh well with your culture. Right. Because you should already know if they have the skill set, if they are, you know, prepared to do what you need done. Like that should have already been established. Right. Maybe it takes you one or two interviews to get there. But when, when you're getting ready to offer someone a position, the homework should be done. Right. So I'm looking at this person and I'm saying, what exactly are they bringing to the table? How much cash is it going to cost me? And how do I cycle back to cash through them. So that's the that's the challenge yeah. that I'm going to throw out there is so I'm going to hire a director of operations, right? I would give you the challenge as a business owner. I would give you the challenge to say I want you to draw a direct line of what they are going to do for you and how that's going to cycle back to cash and how you're going to have a positive return on your cash. They're going to generate more cash for you than what you have to pay in payroll to get them. If you can do that, like that's that's an advanced skill, but how cool would that be? So I've got a director of operations and I'm like, well, do they actually produce anything? Usually not. If you're a director, you usually don't produce anything. So then I say, who do they oversee? Okay, so that's my first line that I'm going to connect. Is I'm going to draw this line and I'm going to say, who does this director of operations oversee? And let's say that they oversee four people. And I'm going to look at those four people and I'm going to say, do those four people actually produce anything? You can see where I'm going with this. At some point, I want to see who produces something, you know, and so... I want to then, once I see who's actually producing something, so if I'm a service industry, let's say that, you know, we are, uh, 
a marketing firm, all right? And so we provide marketing consultation. So I've got, you know, the director who's going to oversee four account managers. And those account managers are out there producing stuff. Well, I'm asking, is that director going to make them more efficient? Is he going to, he or she, I mean, doesn't matter. I apologize for the the generalization there. Um, You know, is he or she going to be able to... Um, see things that they can't see from his vantage point. Uh, you know, is, is he going to be able to uh, see things that otherwise wouldn't have been seen at the account manager level? Uh, you know, and, and and so now we have a, a direct uh, product or service that that is being produced and being sold. And so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, now I've created a sale. And so I'm drawing my line, I've created a sale, and in that sale, I'm now cycling that sale through all of my uh, expenses, so whether I have cost of goods or strictly operational expenses, down to my profit. Then, what percentage of that profit is going back to my assets, my liabilities, and my equity? Because that's where profits go. I am super high level here, so I hope that you mm-hmm. know people are following along. But the the concept is to say, now I've linked profitability back to assets. Of those assets, how much of that asset goes back to cash? If I can't draw that loop, and, and most people can't, you know, like that super high level. If I can't draw that loop, I know exactly where I need to start studying. So the first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to try and figure out what added value does the director provide to those account managers to make them more efficient. And, you know, that in and of itself, because a lot of times what we do is we go out and we hire somebody or we bring on a piece of equipment. In fact, we're better at doing this with equipment. You know, we'll bring on equipment and we'll just be like, okay, how much, you know, how many widgets can this thing produce in an hour? But I bring on a director who costs me four times as much as that equipment does I don't ask how many widgets they can produce in an hour. I just That's assume, right. oh, they're just going to do their job. And I'm like, no, 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 no. They are part of the process, and they are part of your cash flow. They're sucking in the cash, so they better be producing the cash. And so so I'm looking at this, and I'm trying to trying to solve that and figure that out. Now, I apologize. I went super high level. Let's go with something that's a little bit easier to digest, okay? I want to jump down to the profit margin that we talked about in the previous episode. Let's assume that I have a profit margin of 8%. I'm going to ask you this question here. If that profit margin drops down to 6%, is that bad? That's all the information I'm going to give you. I just want a yes or no. Is that bad if the profit margin goes from 8% to 6%. Depends. Thank you. (laughs) Depends. Most people will look at it and go, oh, that's bad. But it depends. Exactly. So please give me some examples of why that could be good. Um, Well, if your profit margin is dipped um, and I put additional resources on the table because maybe I am in a growth cycle, so I've added additional resources that have not hit full optimization, Mm -hmm. my profit margins are going to be down for, uh, I'm going to say a couple months, why that is shifting. And then all of a sudden I should see them, you know, start to increase again as, as I hit efficiency and doing that. Cause you know, when I buy a new piece of equipment and I have an initial cost, that's all of a sudden going to eat into those margins. Um, but I may have two months to set it up and get people trained and up and going. 
Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, that that's a, a, the simplest version of it to explain it. Um, and there's, you know, there's other examples that, you know, could be on there as well. But, mm-hmm. but that one's real simple and clean to understand that we, we just have a lag. And so the margins go down. So if someone doesn't understand the backside of what's happening and they only see the decrease, oh, yeah, that's bad. Why are they going down? Well, if it's explainable and we know why it's gone down and yet... Um, we know that the efficiencies are still to come. Mm-hmm. Ah, it doesn't scare me at all. Yeah. So most of the time, profit margin going down is bad. Most of the time. Right. I agree. But not all of the time. And there are many examples. So you gave an example of a, uh, a planned expense or a planned strategy. You kind of, you know, threw a planned expense and a planned strategy together. The keyword there is planned. Correct. Uh, you put a time frame on it, you know, a hypothetical couple months. I'm like, it could be a couple years. That's pretty extensive planning. And unless you're really good at it, you probably should start with well, a couple if we were, months. Well, we were building a new facility, so yeah. we, we were adding on to a building, and the building was going to be six months in construction, and then we had a couple months to, uh, to you know, equipment and get it up and operating. Uh, you're right. It could be, depending on the size of your company and what you're trying to do, It you may see it uh, you know, reflected in it from one year to the next, which you might be alarming. But mm-hmm. but if you know what's going on, it's not a big deal. Yeah. So don't go harping down everyone's throat that it's down. You, you could also, and I'm seeing this happen a lot right now, uh, you could also go back to a normalization. So maybe 6% yes. is where you should be and you just happen to have a great year. And so, you know. You know, that's, that's an interesting point because when, you know, we, we harp heavily about making sure that as you have numbers that we also want to consider the trends that are going in there. So if the last four years we've had a trend of 4% growth and then uh, previous last year it went to 10, okay, now all of a sudden everyone's going, hey, yeah, we need to hit 12 well, no, 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 no. The pattern says that we've consistently been four, which is a good growth cycle, and we're growing slightly better than inflation, and so we're we're staying, you know, at least healthy. But all of a sudden, we have a jump. Well, why did we have the anomaly? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what what is it about it? So if we big, you know, dip back down to six the next year, it doesn't mean that that our workers didn't work as hard or they're worthless. In, in fact, I would argue that most of the hard work happens in the down years. Yeah. And so, you know, when things are trending down, uh, if if your guys are doing a good work, a good job, you're not going to notice it for a year or two. But see, this this goes back to your very first premise of why we're doing this. One is is all right. We see something that's out of line, but why? Mm-hmm. Okay, a- asking the why and and taking enough time to dig down to understand that why. Because if you don't, um, it's not. See, I've never believed that. If you're always looking at the numbers, your decisions are generally pretty good. Um, they may just not be as efficient as they should be if the information wasn't as accurate. You know, if our margins are from eight to six, well, we could make some decisions uh, that would, you know, may not be in the best business interest, but it's certainly not going to put us out of business. Yeah. Yeah. But if I knew what was going on, I would make different decisions because I had all the information because I started asking why. Um, is we're going about that one. And um, I always fear that when we ask that why question and someone from sales says something or operation says something, that we take it for face value versus, oh, they're just trying to cover their butt. Mm. 
See, I, that's the next thing I hate is too often I see managers and owners that are saying, oh, they're just trying to cover their butt because they want to, you know, really show that they haven't been working hard. Wait a minute, time out. Have they been working hard the whole time for you? Yeah, so why do you put them in that category now? Just because the margins change. See, that's that's why I, I, I like the way we're talking about problems because we're, we're saying don't make a snap decision when you see something out of line. Mm-hmm. It's We want to do our homework to better understand it so that we implement the best decisions so we keep our company healthy. Yeah. As healthy as possible. And so there are, there are three things, probably three things, uh, we'll see as I go through these, um, three things that were pointed out in these examples that are going to carry us through, you know, how, how to find problems and how to fix those problems. So one of the things that mentioned was to have a plan. Yes. If you don't have a plan, finding problems doesn't matter. In fact, finding problems right. without a plan is probably worse than not <laughs> finding those problems at all. <laughs> you know, right. like, like having a naive, just optimism is probably a better approach than having a, you know, a, a pessimistic attitude that gets you nowhere. You know, like you've got to have a plan of what you're going to do. You can't have a plan without having a standard. Correct. You know? So yes. So so you you've got to have a standard or a benchmark is often what what is called. And you know we we talked about this a little bit in the previous episode where you started talking about how difficult it is to get NAICS code standards. If you don't have a standard, just make a standard. You know, like right. I, you don't have to have an industry standard. You could have a company standard. And if That's someone right. asks, where did that standard come from? Say, well, we needed something. So, you know, we put a stake in the ground at some point. Yeah. You know, we, we used the average of our past numbers to create a standard for us as we move forward um, on, you know, so that we have a, something to gauge against. Mm. Yeah, good point. And then the third one that I want to talk about is I want to talk about the fact that we actually have to be getting into the numbers. We have to be looking at data. So you can have a standard and you can have a plan and then you could completely ignore the data. In fact, this happens quite often where people mm-hmm. are like, hey, you know, we're going to have a sales goal of $20 million next year. Well, there's definitely a standard that was put down. You know, we want mm-hmm. that that. 20 million, that was the number because everyone's like, oh, you got to have, you know, SMART goals. They have, to, is that what the acronym is? Like, I don't know. I always remember what is the big audacious goal or BOGS or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, so there, there's all this, this, you know, theory around goal setting. And it's like, you got to, you got to have a number, you know. And, and I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of truth to that. But if that number is based on nothing, what's the difference between 20 million and 50 million? Right. You know, and I find it funny that everyone's numbers are very rounded to, you know, base 10. Like no one ever looks at it and says, we're going to go 19.2 million. (laughs) And if I saw a goal of 19.2 million, I'd be like, oh, they they have data behind. Yeah, they they actually crunched some numbers. They saw what was possible. But here's here's the dumb thing, right? If you look at any athlete, and I'm going to go with athletes that that race against the clock. So you know, any track athletes, swimmers, uh, you know, those those type of athletes, speed skaters, whatever you want to go with, right? Anyone that races against the clock, they never set a goal of saying, "Okay, you know, I want to do this in under a minute." They're like, "All right, we need to beat 57.3 seconds." Right. You can tell that they've actually looked at what is the athlete capable of doing 
You know, what is the competition mm-hmm. doing? Like they've done some some good analysis. And so just the fact that you've put a number down and put a time frame behind it, I'm like, yeah, you've got a plan and a standard, but it's empty because it's not based on data. Right. And so going back to this profit margin, you know, so I asked the question, if we, if we go from 8% down to 6%, I'm going to run it through that scenario. And I'm going to say, is there a plan in place? Were we planning on it dropping? You know, for whatever reason, like maybe it's it's because we're doing a growth expansion and the expenses are hitting yes. right now. Uh, you know, maybe it's we're, we're adjusting back to a normalization, whatever the case may be. You know, is there a plan in place? Is there a standard in place? Are we comfortable at 6%? If we're comfortable at 4% and we're hitting 6%, we should be celebrating even though we dropped 2%. Right. You know, and, and I see that happen all the time. Everyone thinks that business goes in one direction. I'm like, no, business, it moves a lot. It does. It, you know, and, you know, and, and then do we have it based on any sort of data? Have we looked at where our profit margins have been over the last three years, five years, you know, and have we looked at them month to month and see what direction are they trending? Are they trending in a good direction? Even though the number has dropped, Maybe they're trending the way we want them to trend. Maybe they're not dropping as fast as we anticipated. We thought they were going to drop to 5%. We're holding at 6%. You should be giving bonuses out to your guys because they got you an extra percent. Correct. You know? and I love where you're going with some of this one because as, as we look at those trends and we have the plan and the standards and other things, as we're looking at that, it really helps us know where we should start to make those changes. You know, does that change need to be with a vendor? Yeah, uh, is the vendor pricing getting too high, or mar- you know, is there uh, percentages they're charging, or is their delivery times getting out of hand, causing us problems? Well, as we're looking at all this, we can obviously say, "Hey, look, we can pin it down to that." Is it um, maybe we're we're selling on accounts um, receivable, and they're paying later? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, well, wait a minute, maybe we don't like this customer anymore because something going on with their organization is is dragging it out, and that's giving us some problems. You know, so. It's, you know, when you start looking at that, that's where we can start to really make those impactful decisions. Um, when, when, we, when, we, when we are using the data, identifying the problems, ask those in-depth questions, comparing it to some standards out there, our plan, uh, and other components that we have going on, um, and, then, and then tackling, you know, getting the right people to tackle those problems. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring this back to some stuff that you brought up in episode two. And if you haven't listened to, uh, when I say episode two, it was the previous episode. This is a three-part series here on finance. But uh, you started talking about like liquidity and solvency. And you mentioned you're like a lot of people get this confused and you kind of threw it on people to, you know, go learn about liquidity and solvency. I mean, you gave some really quick definitions of what it was, but that wasn't the purpose of the episode. It was not to go into understanding the difference between liquidity and solvency. But this is what I'm going to say. So you're a business. You have no idea the difference between liquidity and solvency. At the end of the day, that's not the most important. The most important is to say, are you looking at action steps? You know, you just gave the example of maybe a vendor is a little bit out of whack. And so you as a business, how well can you go in under the hood and fine tune things? Yeah, do you, do you understand and in, anticipate when those cash shortages are going to come? Mm-hmm. Okay, do we, are we using the numbers in our cash flow cycles to understand that? And and maybe we're not good at understanding, you know, like reading, uh, you know, about you know business solvency. Maybe maybe that's a, a difficult concept for us. 
But at the end of the day, do we still know how to go in, make decisions, improve our business? Can you find improvements that you've made in your business based on this process that we're laying out? And if you can't, then you need to start doing this process. And whatever this process means for you, you know, I mean, we're we're definitely putting it into right. some, uh, you know, some terms that are going to uh, be applicable across all businesses. You know, every business should have a standard. Every business should have a plan. Every business should uh, be looking at the data. Every business should be finding action steps, i.e., you know, improving vendor relations or vendor accounts. Well, well, and sometimes it's, you know, we look outside, but internally, these numbers can help us understand the interrelationship between our departments. Mm -hmm. You know, is sales selling more than what we have the capacity to produce? Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that manifests it when it gets real ugly, but are you looking at it right now to understand what those limitations are? Um, because it only takes one good year of someone selling stuff and then you can't deliver product. And then next year you wonder why your margins went down. People aren't buying from you because you couldn't actually, um, you know, produce. Yeah. So I want to bring this thing full circle. I gave a ton of crazy weird examples at the front where everyone's like, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. I'm going to try and bring it back to that (laughs) and see if this can make sense. If you want to know what problems you're having with your financial statements, start by having what frustrations do you have in your company? Yes. If you're frustrated with employee performance, then that that is in the financial statements, you know. If you are frustrated with on-time deliveries, that's in the financial statements. If you are frustrated with lack of competitive advantage, that's in the financial statements. And people are like, "Where?" How how is that in the financial statement? So what you need to do, everything needs to link to profit and or cash. Like that's what you're linking it to. And so you ultimately need to pull in where the profit and the cash is caused. So, So you start by identifying the frustrations, right? And you look at those frustrations. Now, if you're in your financials on a regular basis, it's going to be a lot easier to connect the financials to the frustration. But if you're not, it's going to be a little bit harder. But you start with that frustration and you're like, okay, on-time deliveries are really driving us crazy. Well, then you ask yourself, why are we not getting deliveries out on time? Is it because we don't have adequate manpower? Well, yeah, that's what everyone is saying. They're saying we don't have adequate manpower. And it's like, well, why don't we have adequate manpower? Because we can't afford to hire people. Why can't we afford to hire people? Because our margins are dropping. What margins are we talking about? Profit margin. Oh, I just linked it to profit. And so now I need to look at it and say, is this actually a profit thing? Or maybe I think it's a profit thing when in reality it's a cash thing. And I'm going to run the same scenario talking about the cash thing. So... Well, but in that same scenario, it, sometimes it's as simple as when we run the numbers, um, we find out that we're instead of hiring someone, we're just paying a lot of overtime. And and, and so we're paying time and a half. We're paying people, um, by an accounting term, we're paying people more than what they're worth. Yeah. Okay. And I hate saying it that way because I always more see- More than what the position is worth. Yeah. Because I always see people's assets not as an expense. but. Right. But all of a sudden you do that, well, of course your margins are going to drop. Well, could we have hired a, an additional person at a lower rate? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And actually maybe even produced more and not burned out everybody else because now we have them working overtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great example. And that's, that's kind of the point that I'm getting at is to say, okay, I start with frustration. I pin it down to profitability. Then I look at other things that are hitting that profitability, you know, like the overtime. Oh, I'm paying more in labor than I need to be paying in labor. There's a more intelligent way of managing this situation. But, and I, I've even seen it go clear down into shipping where uh, I know companies who um, always used to hire, you know, have their own truck to pick up stuff, um, their, their, you know, the raw materials and resources. Um, they had the overhead of the trucks. They had the maintenance of the trucks. They had the labor tied to the trucks. Um and at some point in time, as they started crunching numbers and figuring out, all of a sudden they go, wait a minute, uh, by just asking the simple question, is this the most effective way for us to get our material? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have control over some of that one, but if we build a little bit of lag time in it, we probably can get it reduced quite a bit by using a third vendor party to do the, to manage the shipping for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, that, that's a great example of shipping. I, I do want to pull it into a cash flow uh, side and make sure that we're being clear on the cash. I'm going to hit the inventory because I feel like oh, we've been yes. talking about the, you know, uh, the P&L. And yes. everyone's like, well, we need more people. Like, we can't get stuff out because we don't have enough people. And then you start looking at it and you're like, well, what about this one? Why did this one sit here? Oh, because I'm waiting for product to come in. Well, why are we waiting for product to come in? Well, because, you know, we didn't have the cash to buy the inventory. So I've now linked the same frustration to both profit and to cash. Yes. And I look at it and I'm just like, hmm, is this a profit question? Is it a cash question? Is it both? But it gives me something, you know, that's how the financials will will tell me. And then once I start implementing some solutions, you know, like, oh, I'm going to outsource my shipping as opposed to keep it all in-house, you know, or I'm going to reduce my overtime and hire a part-time person to, you know, take up the slack, you know. So I start making these management decisions. I'm going to I'm going to increase my inventory count or I'm going to work on inventory turns. I, you know, I, I've looked at my inventory turns and they're off. And so, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a standard right. with a plan, you know, mm-hmm. backed by data. And and so I put these things in place. Then I re-review my financials and see if the financials agree with my management decision. Because financials don't care. They're like your management team. They they're not going to tell you all the time that you're an idiot because they don't want to hurt your feelings. But financials, they don't care. They'll tell you honestly whether your decision was a good decision or a bad decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Financials are powerful inside of an organization. They they really are. And I, uh, you'll never not convince me that um, if you'll take the time to learn your financials, uh, put some key ratios in place that work for your business that are the, you know, the big three, four that you want to watch, mm-hmm. um, you know, constantly to monitor those. Um, you just, you'll make better decisions. Yeah. So I think that's a good spot to kind of wrap it up. You and I could talk finance all day long. <laughs> Especially theoretical finance. <laughs> well, that's kind of bad to admit. I, I know, but you can't <laughs> deny it, can you? No, I can't. <laughs> so 
So we're going to go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, if you enjoy when we do these, uh, you know, part series, let us know. Uh, you can reach me at ryan at marketingmanagement.com. Marketingmanagementmoney.com. Yes. I left it off. <laughs> You're going to kill me for that one. No, uh, feel free to reach out. And if there are any topics that you wish that we would go into or go into deeper, uh, let us know. Ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com. Thanks for joining us today. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.